Hey everybody, you're listening to So Many Sequels. I am Josh. I'm Andrew. I'm Garrett. And I'm David. This week on the show, we're going to talk about John Wick. Very excited. Yeah, Keanu right. Reeves' own little Mission Impossible series. Bum, that's right. Bum, um, you guys we... know what that... Oh, oh sorry, what? go ahead. No, you go ahead. Bum, you know what that makes bum. this, right? What is what? It's June Wick. Ah. Because <laughs> it's June. <laughs> and we're doing a John June Wick. is almost John. Look June Wick. Listen, so it's June. It's either that or we call it John June Wick June. The month of June Listen, Wick. I I quit. <laughs> That's I'm okay. not doing this show anymore. Um, I quit. They're I quit. Well, it's either that or we call it John Wick June. <laughs> I like I that. Yeah. The month of it's the month the summer of Wick the summer of John. That's okay though. It is a great reference. It is a great Seinfeld reference. That's okay. If Garrett quits though, you know we have lots of other new podcast friends that might be able to. Uh, come sub in for him. That's true. So first things first, I wanted to mention real quick. Um, we skipped Memorial Day, the week of Memorial Day, because... Um, so I think a lot of our listeners are, are in the Tulsa area or, or in Oklahoma. But we had a lot of storms that hit. It was bad. And so we were awfully busy. Um, we are mm. all fine. But, you know, we all have jobs that were affected in some way, shape, or form. So we had to take a little bit of a break, but I just wanted to do a... A quick little shout out to anyone who may want to help with storm recovery can um, visit tulsacf.org slash 2019 storms. That's the Tulsa Community Foundation uh, is working with the Tulsa Area United Way to help people affected by that. So again, tulsacf.org slash 2019 storms. We don't get serious on this show often, but, you know, felt like we should mention that. Mm-hmm. Next, uh, yeah, David had just mentioned some new podcast friends. Uh, you may have seen us posting on our social media channels about a new app called Soundstooth. Uh, it is a app created by um, a group of people here in the Tulsa area who uh, really they're just entertainers of all accounts. Uh, mm-hmm. They're stand-up comedians, uh, writers, actors, all the above. They've been working together for a while um, on this app, which is a collection of local to Tulsa and Oklahoma entertainment. So if you're from here, um, you may have a lot of interest in that. And they came to us and graciously invited us to be a part of it. So we're now on that app. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's available for free. You can find it on the App Store of your choice, whether it's on an iPhone or Android device. It's on the Google Play Store. And it's it's really easy and cool. You can find a lot of new shows that way that you probably would have never heard of uh, if, if you didn't have this app. So go download that. You can also, they have like a message board for each show where you can talk to us and we can have like a dialogue. That's really cool. Uh, Movie reviews, a whole bunch of different things that are more, it's more than just a podcast thing. There's a lot of different entertainment aspects that you guys can have. We're very excited about it. I mean, so Garrett and I a while back were guests on the Opinions Like A-Holes podcast. That was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. They've been doing that show for a long time. They're featured on the app. Um, They're good buddies of ours. You can listen to them. Um, just a few, I don't know, it, it feels like long, it was probably months ago now. <laughs> a few weeks ago, uh, Garrett, David, and I were on Talk Show Inc. No, Garrett, Garrett we and did that. What did I say? David. You said oh, me. my bad. Because I'm the best. You were there in spirit. <laughs> um, we were on Talk Show Inc., which is a live talk show that is done here in Tulsa at the Nightingale Theater uh, on Sundays. And it was a lot of fun. We got pied in the face. It's well, it's it's a talk show. It's a live it's a talk, talk show, show in front of in front of an audience, which is really cool. You can find uh, the recorded episodes of that on there. There's all kinds of fun stuff, and that is again sounds tooth. Hard to forget that name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just remember the, uh, the second S. Sounds yeah, you gotta remember the second tooth. S. Sounds Not sound tooth, but sounds tooth. tooth. Yeah. So please listen to us there. Um, you know, I think iTunes and all them get enough support. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You yeah. should go download Sounds Tooth. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right, so let's get into the movie, I guess. Yeah. John Wick. John Wick. Keanu Reeves. This movie uh, is the first in a series of currently three. John Wick 3 Parabellum. Yep. 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 Just came out this summer, yep. so we're excited to get to that. Uh, this movie, uh, the basic, what you need to know going in. If you haven't seen it, uh, John Wick is a kind of retired former slash former um, assassin of sorts. He's a hitman. Um, his wife has died of uh, undisclosed illness. She gifts him a dog as a parting gift. Um, and then a group of 
it's like a syndicate. What was it called? The collective or something? Yeah, yeah. they're like thugs. Russians. Yeah, it's a group yeah. of Russian thugs. thugs yeah. um, target him unwittingly, knowing not knowing that it's him because they're like lower level people in the organization. Yeah, they want to steal his car, so they break in, steal his car, kill the dog, beat him up, and have awakened a vengeance within John Wick like no one has ever seen. Yeah. So, let's all describe it with one word. All right. Who wants to go first? I'm sca- I'm scared of your word. I feel like yeah. David's got a word that's going to be wildly different. Yeah, I really had to struggle to find the right <laughs> way to put this. Whoa. <laughs> Is that was that a Keanu impression? Yes. <laughs> and, and a reference to another movie. Yeah, he was in. I, I figured. <laughs> I don't I don't want to go next. Garrett, action. 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 All right. I'll uh, say simplistic. Okay. Okay. I didn't think of one ahead of time. <laughs> I thought I could come up with one faster than this. Um, can I use a sound? Sure, if it's a dog. Because ah! <laughs> I think I made that sound a lot. I was going to say, is it an onomatopoeia? Yeah, yeah. Ah! That's my one word. <laughs> Blam. Um, any, does anyone want to go into it? I mean, I feel like I understand his and his, and I just kind of explained mine. Why is yours simplistic? Okay, so... The movie is awesome, all right? It's really good. Everything about this movie is very good. It's incredibly one-dimensional, though. And that's why I went with the word simplistic, because one-dimensional is two words. Um, I think it does everything right. Like, everything from, like, a technical standpoint is really good about this movie. The way it's shot, the way it's directed, the way it's acted, the way it's uh, lit, the way the music is, the casting, the choreography of the fights... The special effects and the practical effects, it's 100% perfect. It's just, there's no real meat to the story. It's something happens to John Wick, John Wick kills lots of people, John Wick goes home. There's no real depth to the story. And I don't say that as a complaint. Like That is not necessarily a bad thing. There are movies that try to be complex and are worse than this. Like this movie said, we have one thing we're wanting to do, and they did it perfectly. So I call it. So the reason I go with simplistic is because without seemingly any effort, they made an incredible film. Or I say without any effort. You know what I mean? They didn't. I, saying, I think it was they a put, lot of effort. They didn't put anything in. They didn't try to tell you like this weird, complex, complicated story of how John Wick, you know, did this or that in the past. They just let you infer all the story you needed to infer, and then just let it. And then just said, "Here he is. Here's point A. Here's point B. And here's him getting from point A to point B." But I think, I mean, I agree, but also, so but I had never seen this movie before. This is the first time I've seen it. And in my brain, I have been excited and comparing it before knowing anything about it other than it's a shoot 'em up bang, bang, kind of an action movie. I had been comparing it, and Josh, I think you might be the only one that understands this reference, is I've been comparing it to Crank, where in my head, I thought it was just going to be an all-out, over-the-top, action-packed, ridiculousness crazy thing and it wasn't it had a story and it had a topic crank for those of you that haven't seen it stars jason statham where he gets it's basically like speed but his body yeah like he has to keep his adrenaline going above a certain thing and his heart rate above a certain thing or he dies so it's just this ridiculous over the top thing where he has to just do the most insane crazy crap now to me that is a simplistic movie this had a story and a good and a decent story. It's like not but gonna there win was, any plot lines or anything. Yeah, but, but there was no second level to it. That's what I mean. Sure, it's it's. I it's, don't know. I think there is uh, because there's like, an inciting incident, and then just everything happens. Even but the it's climax more, is just. I think it's more to it. There's depths and there's layers. Like it's not just the fact that that he's out for vengeance of killing a puppy. It's like he had this whole life. He was a mm-hmm. hitman, and then he found someone that he loved, and they that that brought him right. out of it. And then there was this woman who she got an illness and she he now and she died and now he has this puppy that she gifted him knowing that he would need something that keeps him going mm-hmm. and then he gets beat up by these russians and they killed this puppy which is connected to his wife so it's more than just a puppy right it's that there's there are layers there they just go through it really quick and then they just get in well that's why and stuff. i was gonna say this too i think this movie gets a bad rap because every meme about this movie i've ever seen is that John Wick is like on this murder spree for his dog. 
Like everybody I've ever every every other review I've ever read for this movie just completely glosses over the his wife dying and leaving him this dog as to why it's important to him. They just go like this man killed, you know, eighty people over a dog. Imagine what he'd do to Thanos or something well, like I mean, that. And I was like, okay, things are stupid though. I know, and that's why, and that's and I and that's why yeah. having not that's why not having seen the movie until now, I was like, oh, this movie gets kind of a. They, they people really oversimplified this movie. Yes. When I when I was first starting out, I was like, this is a very, like, uh, very like realistic and soulful beginning to this show, or this show, this movie. And then like once we get the inciting incident, it's like it just kind of like everything else that would be like, uh, you know, like make John Wick more complicated just gets stripped away. Like the mo the complex John Wick pretty much dies when that dog dies because whatever he did that made him decide to leave being an assassin that's the movie where like that's the that's where he grew and changed and became a different person and the beginning of this movie is all that being taken from him and him just going into like complete murder mode so like john wick doesn't there's no difference between john wick at the end of this movie versus john wick toward like after that dog dies like he doesn't really grow from a to b if anything, he's slowly regressing into what he used to be. I think what's I think what sold me for this film wasn't really the story. I I'm a sucker for style. I love how, how I love the style of how some films are made. Mm-hmm. And um, this I never I, ne- I never watched this whenever it first came out because honestly at the beginning it didn't really interest me. And then the chapter two came out. Chapter two came out and I'm like, well that looks that looks kind of good. So. Um, uh, earlier this year, I had the opportunity and I rented it and I saw them. And I think, it, yeah, you're right. It is a very simplistic story, but I think what sells it is the style of it. Yeah. And it's 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 kind of like a it's a hard edged action noir mm-hmm. that you rarely get to see. And we have an antihero who is John Wick, um, and something pretty drastic happens to him. Um. And I think that's that's what sucks me in. There's a lot of there's a lot of neon. There's a lot of cool camera shots. There's a lot of mm. there's a lot. I love the cinematography of this. The cinematography mm. of this is excellent. Oh yeah, there's great transitions. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, it's just there's terrific transitions and uh, overall a pretty decent cast. I will say. Yeah, I, I gotta sidetrack this for a second to to point something at, particularly at Garrett. Oh man, <laughs> you may know this. I'm learning it in real time. Did you realize this was directed by the man who was Brandon Lee's stunt double in The Crow? No. And who went on to take over that role for those final days of filming? Wow. I did not know that it was him. Me that, neither. That's well, that's very, very interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. Very fun fact. That just Which way, has he directed two and three, or is he? Because I think, um, I think yeah, the first one has he two. He directed directors. all three John Wicks. Oh, there you go. Well, that's cool. Um. Anyway, I had to sidetrack that because that was just a really cool fact. Um. Yeah. To 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 quote uh something that Andrew often says. This movie is a bit of a character study. <laughs> it doesn't rely on, on plot so much right. as following John Wick as, as a human going through this. And yeah, you're right that there's not, mu- there's not a difference between John Wick in the end of the movie versus post the dog being killed. But I mean, that's kind of the origin story we're being given. Yeah, um, We're seeing... Because you guys have already watched John Wick 2. We have not. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm assuming... He's 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 back in it now, yeah. Because this movie brought him back in it. No comment. That's a. I mean, there's three fair, movies. I can't imagine that they're guess. all him being retired. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's just him re-retiring. So I time. feel like if we look at it from the concept of this is an origin story for this character, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think it's fine. Um, I think it is more about following him than about the story as a whole. But I also really like that this movie is is. A completely original concept. Mm-hmm. It's not based on anything. This was a character created for the screen, and you, we don't get a lot of that anymore. No, mm-hmm. uh, especially in a character created for the screen that becomes a franchise. Yeah, so this that's might... cool. My my first assumption was this must be based on a comic book or something. Yeah, and it wasn't, and I'm very glad. To this hear is that. kind of the answer to your question. You had a few, like maybe a year ago or so, or so. You were talking about who is the most. Uh, what what like major original characters oh, right. are there anymore? Yeah, and the closest we could come up with was uh, was Jack Sparrow as somebody who became like sort of internationally famous 
just uh, and didn't have a prior existence in any other media. Yeah, John Wick may have become that. I think so because even when we were talking about that a year or so ago, John Wick wasn't the character he is now. Um, with three successful movies under his belt, he's like a bona fide star now. Oh yeah, he's a yeah. bona fide character that a lot of people he, are very aware. He's of. bankable at the box office. Yeah, yeah. And just to just to reiterate one more time, I'm not saying because this movie has a simple story that it's bad in any way. That is not my that is not my no. stance. I'm just saying that that's the only aspect of it to me where it seems like they didn't really uh, waste any time. Like no. everything everywhere else, like everything is to the max. I think it's a movie and that it's knows really what it good. Wants to do. Yes, it tells this simple. It tells a simple story better than most mm-hmm. people tell stories that have like eight or nine plot lines or eight or nine story arcs within the same movie it's really good really solidly done and i love that it's just i don't know it's just like you you don't need any background information going into this movie i want to go back to the technical aspect that Mm -hmm. andrew mentioned because one thing that i really enjoyed and this is going to be a weird thing but i noticed it in another movie um i liked the subtitle placement Mm -hmm. um and the fonts yeah yeah so like they I noticed it first in Endgame. In Endgame, whenever um, Hawkeye or Ronan at the time is killing all the uh. gangsters, they have the subtitles in a bunch of different places where the action's taking place. And I like that because when I'm watching a movie that has subtitles, I feel like I miss a lot of the movie because I'm reading at the bottom. Yeah, you're leading, you're leading Whereas if you put those subtitles bet next or near the people that are talking or where they want your eye to be, then I don't feel like I'm missing anything. And that's what they did in this movie is... They kept the subtitles bouncing around. I know, I knew who was talking. I knew who was saying what, and it didn't feel like it felt like I was reading, but it felt like I wasn't missing any part of the movie. And it, I wish that more movies would do that with subtitles. Like I get yeah. that if it's a long, extended like monologue, you can't necessarily do that. But if you're having a conversation, because like your eyes are drawn to the middle of the screen most of the time, mm-hmm. yep, and you're drawn to who's talking or who they're showing. So I don't want to read the subtitles at the bottom because I'm missing the action that's going on. Yeah, you don't want to so, be reading their knees and missing the performance yeah. in their face. And so that's I really liked what they did with the subtitles, and I hope that that is a trend that people start doing more often because those these are the only two movies that I've seen it, but I like it. So let's do that, people with subtitles. Yeah, there's a, there's... That does come back. I'll, 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 I, that's not really a spoiler. That trend of subtitling comes back. Yeah, I, I like what you. I like how you put that because there's. Two other movies that did that that I can think of. It's Slumdog Millionaire. Slumdog Millionaire did that. Inserted the movie Man on Fire. Like yes. It, yeah, they did that every once in a while. But no, it, no, it. As much as I love foreign films, looking looking at the third half of the looking at the third half of the screen at the bottom half of the screen does get annoying after a while. So I well, like what they're doing because it can really help. It can really detract, like I said, from those performances on their face. You yeah. know, you put it. A lot of times, if you haven't seen the movie yet, um, the the uh, like Garrett said, the the words of the subtitles will either appear like around their face, or it'll be sort of direction. Like the, they'll actually move outward as they say them, so it looks like you know, like they're kind of coming forward into the frame, so you can read them mm-hmm. and see like the the reactions as they're happening. And some words will be highlighted, and it's kind of funny because what the way since some of those words were highlighted, it made me actually pay more attention to like the last words that they were saying in the foreign language and i was like oh and like all of a sudden i knew what that like it kind of helped me go like okay that's what that meant that last word that he said all intensely so yeah that's a really it's a good uh that's a good thing that i i forgotten even mention that go garrett <laughs> i knew i was part of this group for some reason <laughs> yeah let's uh let's talk about some of our more specific favorite parts there's a lot of great scenes in this movie. Um, who wants to go first on that? My fa- one of my favorite parts Boom. was when, ha, <laughs> I saw you raise your hand and I said no. Uh, one of my favorite parts was when the cop showed up mm-hmm. at the house. Oh, right, right, right. John Wick had been killing a bunch of people. They broke into his house or something like that. I don't remember exactly the timeline or which house it was. Yeah. But a bunch of people had broken in and he murdered them all real quick. Cop opens the door and he's like... Uh, Hey, John. He's like, oh, hey, hey, how's it going? Oh, that's good. <laughs> and then he sees a body and he goes, are you back in it? Yeah. I guess. 
Basically. Okay, well, I'll leave you alone. <laughs> and then the cop just leaves. So that is the smartest man in this whole franchise. You working again? Game. Yep. Yeah, you working again? Yep. And the funny thing too is that it's sh- that that's such a it's such a great moment because we have an expectation of what that moment's supposed to be based yeah. on every other movie you've ever seen, and so you hear the doorbell ring. The camera uh, cuts to the door, which is like an all glass window frame. Like it's a what would you call that kind of? Uh, uh, it's like hazy. Like you can't actually see the person through it. It's yeah. just kind of translucent. You can see the outline of a yeah. police officer with the flashing lights. Frosted. And so every frosted. Thank you. And so you're sitting there going like, uh oh, how's he gonna get out of this? Is he gonna have to kill this cop now? And the cop's just you working again? <laughs> yep. It was brilliant. Okay, I'll leave you to it. I loved it. What about you, Andrew? Favorite scene? Uh, Favorite moment? I really like the club scene. Like, okay. The club scene where everything happened, and I like I love the backstory on that. And the, my, the what I love about that scene is that as hyped up as energized as it was, I think it's even cooler. It's it's one of the very many reasons I like Keanu Reeves. He did that with he did that while he had the flu. Hmm. And he had a 104 degree temperature the entire time that he did it. I didn't do any research like that. Sure. I, I think he went into Keanu's medical records. <laughs> <laughs> he violated HIPAA laws. Yeah. <laughs> I got a podcast, Doctor So and So. Give me the medical oh, records of, course, of one sir. Keanu Reeves. <laughs> we, I need. We know what you need, and here they are. Um, but no, I, I like the backstory of that because of just how how crazy that scene was. And what Keanu was actually going through that day, mm-hmm. and Keanu, Keanu, not Keanu, <laughs> uh, Keanu is like one hell of a dedicated person. Yeah, when, uh, to his craft. Yeah. So if you ever watch, if you ever watch like behind the scenes for like even John Wick too, he's training like crazy, doing a lot of these stunts himself. Yeah, he said himself. he even said he did like 90 percent of the stunts in this movie. He pretty much did himself. So. Bravo, Keanu. Agreed. My uh, my favorite moment is along the lines of Garrett's because it's just uh, it, it's one of the moments where they just kind of tell you the story in uh, just simple interaction. Mm-hmm. It's when John Leguizamo calls Vigo, and or actually Vigo calls John Leguizamo. I didn't catch that character's name. Aurelio. He says, uh, "I hear you punched my son today," <laughs> and he goes, "Yes, sir, I did." And he goes, "May I ask why?" And he goes, "Yeah." He uh, stole John Wick's car and killed his dog. And Vigo just goes, oh. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Hangs up. And then goes down and uh, beats the crap out of his son, Theon. And uh, (laughs) it's... uh, You shouldn't have killed his dog. It's like it tells you... I mean, really, It tells you all the message you need to know. Like, if this guy who's supposed to be the big boss guy is calling up this dude who you could tell is a lower-level dude, and the lower-level dude just tells him, yeah, John Wick is involved in the guy just in the the boss goes that's bad you're not going to be punished <laughs> just hangs up like goes you were in the right for punching my son i got two questions about that the whole scene which whole scene the the aurelio john leguizamo part oh, okay mm-hmm. number one there was made a big deal about his car he likes his car do we yeah. know why is it just a nice car is that why it, it looked really like it was just it. a nice car because his car then it's also we never see it again. Well, and we know that John like. I mean, we have that whole sequence where he's just like doing donuts in the parking lot with his Yeah. Dog. So clearly he likes to drive and sure. like, be a racer of some sort. Right. Part of his but, craft, probably. But in, but they never see us. We never see the car again. So like, no. what happens to the car? And also, if John Leguizamo knew that that was John Wick's car and that shit was going to go down, why didn't he just keep it? Because he called John Wick later and was like, hey man, they brought your car in, but I don't have it anymore. Why didn't you just keep it? Yeah. It's a good question. You'd have to. Have you could. He, he still would have killed him for the dog because that's the bigger issue. Right. But like, you could have got the car back. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Johnny Legs. So uh, there's a lot of small moments in this movie that I like a lot. Uh, so I'm gonna. Two of my favorite scenes are kind of smaller moments. The first one is I really enjoyed Vigo uh, explaining the story of the Baba Yaga. Mm-hmm. That was creepy. Yeah, and just really fascinating lore to hear. And for it to end with him being like, so he's the boogeyman? And he's like, no, he's the guy you sent to kill the boogeyman. I was like, ooh, I got chills. Yeah. So that was one. The yeah. other one well, was... Well, also, because it's intercut with John, like, resurrecting his old stuff. Yeah, like, he's pulling breaking the guns through out of his, the... 
through his basement like yeah, he, he had sealed it all off on a yeah. concrete and he's like so it's like cut back and forth with that so you're getting like this image of john wick being told to you while he's doing something really cool uh the other one is when um john breaks into vigo's like vault of money and blackmail and all that stuff and the the church guy is like, "What are you honestly? What are you gonna do with this?" And he goes, "This," and just sets it on fire. <laughs> I love that too, because John Wick does not care about material things. Yeah, he's only doing this to get revenge for what was taken away from him, which was a connection to his wife. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care about the money, the blackmail. Burn it all. I want you. That's true. <laughs> Loved it. That's true, and you definitely get hints throughout the movie that like a lot of people in this organization or this this extended group didn't know John Wick and are terrified of him. Yeah. Uh, he approaches the bouncer at the club, played by Kevin Nash, and he puts a gun to his head and he like basically gives that guy just like one chance to leave. Where he just goes and, like he says the guy like knows it's John Wick behind him, just goes John, you working again? And he goes, Yep. You want to leave or something like that? And he just goes think i do <laughs> just takes his earpiece <laughs> off and leaves and then um and then we get sort of like this tease of this higher element with ian mcshane which we haven't even really mentioned yet who runs a hotel where you i guess where john wick stays and there are other people who are maybe seemingly in the same business as john so, wick hotel for the criminal underworld essentially yeah uh, willem dafoe is another one of these assassins who is sent to kill john wick and then you have Adrian Pelicki, 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 who plays a character called Miss Perkins, who is also tasked with trying to kill John Wick. So there is uh, uh, some kind of mysterious stuff. They don't tell you. They don't explain exactly what all that stuff is. Um, but it's kind of <laughs> like a little bit of like, okay, there's something even more going on here than just he's an assassin for a Russian mob. Like it goes bigger than that. That, I like the idea of the hotel, and I think you, Josh, mentioned that they were doing a TV show based on that. Yeah, Stars is developing a, a TV show based on the Continental Hotel. Mm, um, interesting. With the uh, with the creators of the film franchise, and you know, seemingly it would take place in the hotel, and we see these uh, different various criminals coming in and out. It's a re- really interesting concept. There's a similar movie called Hotel Artemis that came out last year. I think last year that had a similar concept of this hotel for criminals. It was a little more fantastical in, in some ways than this, mm-hmm. uh, but hmm. it's a very interesting concept that I think could be more successful as a television series yeah. um, than a movie where you can actually see these different people come in. This so hotel- yeah, that would be a... I'm very interested to see that show. This hotel was supposed to be in the movie, kind of like a Switzerland type thing where like you come here, there's no violence, yeah, there's not no supposed to be any kind of thing like that hotel. going on. No business. It's and so even if that's the case, no I feel like if you know what your clientele is feel like this place did a bad job with security yeah like, great they trust like, me too much miss perkins was easily able to sneak into john wick's room and they had their whole thing yeah and willem dafoe was across the way and was able to shoot through the glass like they ain't got locks on the doors or they don't have like bulletproof glass at the very least like i feel like that's a thing that a, crim- a hotel because like there's no honor among criminals and even if you're in Switzerland, somebody's going to break that honor. It always happens. Yeah. So you, I feel like you got to up that security. Yes, they bit. have this premise that like they all know what the what the punishment is if you break these rules. Yeah. Yeah. And well, we see the consequences of those broken rules later in the movie. Yeah. What stuck out to me about that, and maybe maybe this is a good transition into talking about some of our our least favorite parts of it, is along the lines of that. After the uh, Ian McShane calls in the. Calls John Wick and is like, "Hey, you got some noise complaints." Um, he asks if he needs to make a dinner reservation, which is revealed earlier as code for, "Do we need to come remove bodies? Mm-hmm. How many is in your reservation?" Type of thing. But it was very. It seemed a bit nonchalant for an establishment that forbids business, right? Where one should never need a dinner reservation in mm-hmm. their room, and he seemed really like very calm about that and that kind of that stuck out to me as a as an odd behavior for a place that they have told us very clearly there is to be no business at this place no exactly it is kind of like there are those things and i guess the implication to take away from that is maybe um 
that uh, there's a deeper relationship between John Wick and the owner. And uh, or but, maybe they, but just they don't really they don't really delve into it that things much. Things happen sometimes. Yeah. Any other weaker moments or, or parts that stuck out to you guys that you didn't like, or maybe you thought dragged so, a little or something? So, like that? spoiler alert: there's only one real thing I don't like. And again, the I say story. Sp- again, I say spoiler. No, no, no. There's only one little spoiler. There's just a. Uh, I feel like there's just kind of like a needless death and character introduction for a simply just to kill them. There's this other maybe assassin named Harry who restrains miss perkins for john wick oh right and then then miss perkins escapes and just kills him in like seven seconds like after a little bit into the movie so it just felt like i was just kind of like well it just kind of seemed unnecessary they didn't have to really like i mean they should they could have showed her escape and not kill this guy for like i mean i guess it makes her look kind of tough but she just sort of gets the drop on him and shoots him in the face it's not like it only makes that guy look weak and it uh and they could have, you know, they could have alluded to a bunch of different ways that she could have escaped without having to have like a kind of pointless death for a character whose whole uh, whole run in this film is within like a four minute period. So I was like, that's the only thing that just kind of like for me was in terms of like one single scene, I just didn't really care for. But uh, but otherwise, you know, I liked the Miss Perkins character. She was kind of like a rule breaker. Yeah, I liked her character. I would have liked to have seen more of her. Um, but that's it for that. I thought she was fine. I don't really have any hot takes for this or anything I didn't like. Really? I, yeah. Um, no, I can't think of any that's right off the bat. I don't have a hot take, per se. Um, I, oof. I want to talk about the dog. I want to talk about Daisy. Man, it's a sweet little dog. Wasn't it, though? Yep, little beagle dog. And I think it shows a lot about people. Um, you know, you were talking earlier about how, like, the meme culture of this movie is just, like, revenge for the dog. I think it shows a lot about people that uh, we seem to not give a damn about any person dying, but a dog is killed, and we all go nuts. Yeah, like 80 people die in this movie. A bunch of people who are not involved with this dog being killed in any way, but, like... A whole bunch of minions that die along the way just for the guy who killed the dog to get this punishment. You know, I get it to some extent because a dog and any animal is kind of like the quintessential example of innocent life. Mm-hmm. They have nothing to do with this. And he was just kind of, or she was just kind of brutally like kicked to death, I guess. Yeah, or um, like he broke her neck or something. Yeah, yeah. It was rough to watch. No one wants to watch the dog die. It's not too explicit, the dog's death. It's kind of no, blurry. No, it's not. But I think what's worse but is... it's clear. What's worse is that after the after like a moment of them leaving, maybe there was some kind of transition where you didn't see John Wick for a minute, and when it goes back to John Wick, he's laying there bloody on his floor, and they've dragged his dead dog over so that when he wakes up, she's gonna be the first thing he sees. Yeah. Like they drag her right yeah. in front of his face. Like to me, that was the that was more cold hearted than it was just the killing it. Of the knife. I'm torn on wondering if I think that you know we all have a natural connection to animals to some level. But I'm torn on, on deciding if I think we needed to see more of the relationship between do- John and the dog. It was I feel really like the brief. dog died fairly quick after being introduced. Yeah. I but I think they I did a good job of establishing the relationship they between did. the dog. They even did. if it was like, what, less than 15 minutes before that dog died. Like, they they did a good job of explaining the connection of it. And I think the fact that the wife took liberty to deliver that dog to him gave it that immediate kind of connection and then the scene where he's trying to get the dog to sleep at the foot of the bed on the towel and he does it the first night and then it looks at him and he's like all right come on up here and then i think those little subtle moments kind of give you that deeper connection quickly and don't necessarily need it now it could it would only help one of the things that i wrote was the easiest way to get people to hate you is to kill a puppy more than killing a person sometimes Killing a puppy will immediately make Always. people hate you. Yes. And I said, that bitch Theon Greyjoy would kill a damn puppy. <laughs> He's awful all the time. Here's another part that just came, that I just remembered. I, I just didn't need it. It didn't feel like it added much. But at the at the very end when John saves that other dog from the, yeah. the kennel at the yeah. end, I was like, why? Did he steal that dog? Because I, I, I thought he, he broke into it. a vet. It was my understanding that that dog was... Um, 
up for adoption? To be euthanized. Okay. Oh, oh, if yeah, that's yeah. the case, that's fine. But I thought he had broken into a vet or something, and that dog was either being like kenneled while family was away or something, and he stole. But that makes sense. No, I, th- I think if it, it was said a dog that was getting ready to go euthana- the way of euthanasia. So, um, if that's uh, the case, it, just, and that's, it felt yeah. a little bit like John Wick pet detective at that point. Yeah, like is his thing just saving animals now? Something yeah, tells me it, that in part two, this dog's gonna die. Is there a dog it? in part two? That's all I ask. His dog, this same dog, is, oh, is in the part same two. dog. Okay. Well, so it's his dog now. Yeah, yeah. It's a much tougher dog than the little. Oh yeah, it's puppy. like a big pit bull looking dog. Cool. All right, well, that's or a Rottweiler of some kind. But yeah, I have a couple things. So I I had a problem with. There's a lot of people in this movie. Who I enjoy, um, Willem Dafoe. Again, we've kind of talked about it. John Leguizamo makes an appearance. Uh, Kevin Nash makes an appearance for David and me to enjoy. <laughs> um, and one of the one of the people that was in there was uh, he played. You'll you'll know him as Mayhem from the Geico commercials. That's right. Um, he's also been in like Law and Order, SVU. He's been in a bunch of like bit parts, Thirty Rock stuff like that. Um, his character was such a bitch. Like I don't understand what he was. So he. Was connected to Vigo, the main bad guy, but he himself was not intimidated or yeah. intimidating. Uh, but he seemed to be like his right hand man, um, Vigo's right hand man. But he didn't do anything. And so at the end of the movie, when John Wick is chasing them down as they're going to the helicopter, he's like, "Somebody give me a gun! Somebody give me a gun!" And um, he <laughs> he. Uh, I was thinking, okay, maybe they're writing this character as, like, someone that can be a reluctant secret weapon. Like, he doesn't want to use his skill set, but he can. Yeah. And so now it's to the point where, like, John Wick's going to get him, and he's got to go unleash his mayhem. Yeah. And then he gets a gun, and then he shoots, and he misses, and then he looks surprised that he shot a gun, and then he gets hit by a car. And that was the end of that character. And I just didn't understand his point. If yeah. he's can, How can you be connected with the mob... And he's not like, like, if you're going to have that kind of a character, make them look like someone who would have that. Like, he's a big dude. He's been a cop before and other things. Like, he's, he can be intimidating. So that just didn't sit well with me. Yeah, his role was undefined as yeah. a, uh, as, as what he, what he represented in this mob group. I got the impression he was some sort of, like, the guy who runs the books or the money or something like that. Like, he knows those aspects. He calls people up and goes, hey, we need this sent here. That kind of thing, but you would think that kind of person, if you've been involved with the mob, would they would make sure he can shoot and protect himself if he's going to be hanging around Vigo all the time. And I was waiting because I was like, oh, this kind of be like end up being like a really cool fight in terms of like uh, my brain because it'll be like Neo versus Mayhem, yeah, <laughs> you uh, know, or something like that. I also just generically don't like fight scenes in rain that comes out of nowhere, like. <laughs> That hand-to-hand combat scene, there's no reason. It's not rained all movie, and then all of a sudden they start fighting, and it's just this torrential downpour. Right. Like, it just... No, it's... it's it comes from the weather? It comes from the water It's not the wet. They do it on purpose the, every time just so it looks cool. You see, and by, I don't like that. You, you see, by a dock, that's where water is, and see, like, water condensates in that raises no. up into it evaporates into the clouds Ju- every time someone has a hand-to-hand combat scene and not whenever they're in the middle of a car chase it just specifically starts raining whenever they're about to do a hand-to-hand combat scene well, when no. would you Only rather no. what would you Only rather have a john wick have them fight the- without rain i don't have a problem with the fight i have a problem with the rain it would have yeah. been really funny if they it's had the fight. now that is the very definition of a hot take yeah. this man has a problem with rain it, in that particular <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's this movie it doesn't matter if it's this movie or any of like freaking in, in the very first lethal weapon whenever uh, um, mel gibson and gary Busey are fighting all of the sudden it just starts raining when they start fighting in the yard hadn't rained all day no i don't need to see them fighting in water it's stupid it serves come, no I'm purpose i think about this every time i see rain in a movie now it's gonna, gonna be it's so gratuitous <laughs> and dumb that hadn't rained all day and then all of the sudden it just Maybe the I rain. I mean, that's kind of how rain works. Garrett, no, maybe, maybe <laughs> it does not. All of a sudden, it's just raining suddenly. But Garrett, oh. sometimes what? Maybe the rain represents nope. something. It, maybe it, it represents cleansing. It represents a stereotype <laughs> like of a movie. I like that. It, repre- yes. it represents a cliche of an action movie. That's what it represents. I have like a real hot take. That's going to get angry uh, emails sent to us or tweets. I assume that if you uh, are really, really into this movie, you probably didn't watch any revenge movies prior to this movie. 
Wow. Because, like, if you've ever, like, this is this is nothing, tra- like, super new. And people act like it's super new. Like, this is a very, like, by the books revenge film. Like, Jean-Claude Van Damme, old Walker, uh, old uh, Chuck Norris. You about to say Walker, Texas. Right? I was. I thought you were going to say. You are comparing <laughs> such old, terrible actors to Old Reeves Chuck right Norris. Now. I know there's a thing. Old Chuck Norris. I think Steven Seagal. Uh, Schwarzenegger, Stallone. This is like this is like what uh, the you know defined the '70s and '80s in terms of action films, and this is kind of a callback to it. It is incredibly well done, but people act like it's so. There are some people who act like this is like a revolutionary concept. This well, I idea. I think it's because you look at a lot of those movies you just named or actors in those movies, and they're so laughably bad. They haven't aged well at all. That's yeah, but true. This is not laughably bad this at may, all, we'll, except we'll, your hair in the rainstorm. We'll see how well these movies age, which is dumb. <laughs> well, no, uh, no. In responding to that, no, I would say like every every decade or so, I think probably since the seventies has at least one, uh, at least one like action genre, like defining genre, like element, defining yeah. genre that that has some sort of like action to it. And John Wick is just this one. Mm. But I think what's different about John Wick compared to others is that John Wick. I don't think that's not. I don't think that's correct. You don't? No. Okay. I, I think I think Fast and Furious and even Mission Impossible define the action movies of this decade far more than John Wick. Well, like, uh, well, I think John Wick is just now starting to to get mass attention. Mm-hmm. I think Fast and Furious is a phenomenon. Okay, <laughs> but like, but all I'm saying is, is just like a. I forgot what I was going to say. I broke you. That's all right. I distracted you too much. That's okay. Well, you were wrong. <laughs> but just my point is. <laughs> Is that from a concept? This is not a new. This is no, not a new not genre. A new concept. No, and it's, it's, it's not, regrettably well done. And I'm not well, saying this like, is might be, be. This might be the one of the best revenge films that's could, ever been you, made. You could think of it like The Punisher. Yes, it is. In fact, I, I thought that many times while watching this movie. I thought, man, if a Punisher movie or a Hitman movie had been this good, they might have their own franchises. Well, what's but, that movie that came out recently with Jennifer Garner? Red Sparrow. No, no, that's Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, I'm sorry. Jennifer Garner. Peppermint. She, what, Peppermint. 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 Yeah, that's it. And then the the. Uh, Bruce Willis remake movie Death Wish Death Wish uh, those are both revenge movies where they're like trying to get revenge for the deaths of their families um, Law Abiding Citizen with Jimmy Fox a while back mm-hmm. there's always there's always revenge movies but there's all but I think the important thing to take here is that for some reason I'm not saying it's a bad reason but for some reason John Wick seemed to capture the I don't know which one the the, the culture like it seemed to capture people probably more because than people most genuinely feel like it's all because of a dog yeah like well, the dog and yeah, i think the, the stylistic elements it's a powerful thing i think i think keanu reeves is a is a interesting figure and it's contrast I think people are drawn to him in an odd way it's contrast is much more stylistic like andrew talked about than say peppermint which seemed just kind of like gritty and dirty mm-hmm. and that uh, and the and death wish which was kind of gritty and dirty this had like light and color yeah. and you know, like uh, that's that's choreography. It's just very different. Yeah. Final question is: Should this movie have been made? Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. Yes. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. based. On, I mean, it's, it's clearly somebody somebody had a passion project here, and yeah. they got it greenlit, and everything took off with it. And it's maybe, I think maybe this is a hot take. I think it may have revolutionized uh, Keanu Reeves' career. It's the Keanu Zants. Yeah. He's yeah, hot, anytime he's a hot commodity again. Because before you only really knew him from either Speed or The Matrix or Bill and Ted. Come on now. Or yeah, Bill and Ted. Speed. No, Bill and Ted. Um, I would say The Matrix more than any. The Matrix. Other, any other? I think, I think yeah, the, yeah. The, you're gonna know. You're gonna recognize him for The Matrix. We love you know, also, he don't have no charisma. Even in this movie, like this movie suits him really well. You don't. But have like him. in The Matrix, no charisma. Like it's always just deadpan Keanu, and that's yeah. fine. Like he does that well, but like. He he doesn't really emote much. He plays intimidating. He's always well. kind of brooding. Yeah, and he plays intimidating and brooding really well here. Yeah. And he doesn't have to. There's not a lot of Bill and Ted dialogue. Different. Bill and Ted is way. like the one that stands out. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see him do like a comedy. I think that's what you, he was just in. Uh, he was just in a uh, 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 Netflix film. Yes, always be my maybe. Does, on he, Netflix. does he emote in that? He's incredibly charismatic. Okay, and that's good. Very different. Like he can do I, it. He just doesn't. Go, a lot. I think he's good at comedy. Well, and I, I think, think this is what makes him much. such a mysterious figure in pop culture. Is he's such a odd guy? Yeah. That people are drawn to him in a in a different way than normal. Like he really stands out as being 
almost this mysterious Keanu man. Mm-hmm. It's like, who even are you? Yeah. yeah. What is your deal? Every time he's in public, he like says speaks in code and <laughs> says strange things that are oddly poetic. Yeah. He's just a he's just a weird guy. He, he's he's got the potential to be one of those actors. I read this term like ten years ago. And I always think about it uh, as some actors get more and more like known for just one role or something, or or kind of in, known for their own personality. Mm-hmm. And you've heard of breaking the fourth wall, right? They somebody created this idea called breaking the f- the fifth wall, which is where you as a as a personality overwhelm any character you might play. They attributed it to uh, William Shatner and uh, Adam West. Who are so so known for for one role each? Like William Shatner is Kirk, Adam West as Batman. But if you put any of you put either of those two people in a show, they're essentially playing themselves. They're playing like a like they're yeah. playing a, feel a like parody Adam, of their care of their old character. I feel like Adam West is a good comparison to Keanu. And maybe I feel like maybe Keanu could get yeah. there one day. Right now, he's got a really wide variety career, but I feel like in the future, he has the potential to just be like come in and just play parodies of himself, and people will love it. If y'all watch Always Be My Maybe on Netflix, or if anyone listening to the show does, he he plays himself, and he plays a very exaggerated version of who we know to be Keanu Reeves, and so that's exact. He plays a parody of himself, and that's mm-hmm. what makes it so great. Everything you think about Keanu Reeves, he like cranks up to eleven, and it just makes for this magic comedy moment. <laughs> I'm gonna have to watch that. My wife just watched it the yeah. other day. Like he's not. I mean, he's he's a significant part of the movie, but it's not about him. So I don't want to make people think it's a Keanu Reeves movie. Um, but he's in the trailer, so I don't mind saying it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So okay, let's move on to box office. Then. All right, John Wick. This was not that long ago. John Wick debuted the weekend of October 24th, way back in 2014. It finished number two. What th- what, uh, what month? October. October, October 24th, okay. just before Halloween of 2014. It finished number two with a three-day opening total of $14 million in the United States. Uh, let's see. Also in the top ten that Did week. Did it have a budget listed? Uh, yes, it had a budget of uh, $20 million. Wow, so it made almost that, made the budget in week so one. It, made, it would end up covering that uh, by the next weekend. Actually, I think before the next weekend started. Um, like So what else was in the top ten that weekend, you may ask? Well, number one at the box office, also debuting that week, was the horror film Ouija. Oh, I never oh. saw that. Ouija Oof. debuted at $19 million. Uh, Fury, the tank movie directed by Dave, D- Darren Aron- Aronofsky, mm-hmm. is that right? Um, had $13 million. That was in week two. Gone Girl was still in week four. Brought in $11 million. The Book mm-hmm. of Life, number ten. St. Vincent at number six, which made an incredible jump. People uh, like Bill Murray. It must have been a. Time. It must have been in a lot fewer theaters. It was. It they so the the film St. Vincent or something. Yeah, St. Vincent was uh, put in two thousand more theaters and made a thousand percent more money, according to this. Uh, St. Vincent made seven million dollars that weekend, jumped from the number fifteen spot to the number six spot. Um, Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Bad Day. Oh. Very Bad Day was at number seven. The Best of Me was at number eight. Dracula Untold was at number nine. And uh, I don't remember this movie. The Judge was at number ten, bringing in $4 million. So from ten to from, from ten to one, uh, every movie made more than $4 million that weekend, which is a pretty good weekend for an October. Going back now, uh, in total, John Wick would finish with $43 million domestically. You add in its $45 million from overseas, and that gets you a worldwide total of $88.7 million. That's honestly more money than I expected. Yep. It made back its $20 million budget easily. Uh, the number's the lowest for the John Wick franchise, but that's more or less a good thing. The franchise has become increasingly popular with each film, only going up and up. It is the 17th highest grossing film for Keanu Reeves, unadjusted for inflation. Would you guys like to take a shot at the top five? Matrix, Matrix, Matrix. Of Keanu Reeves movies? <laughs> of Keanu Reeves. Matrix. Bill and Ted. Hang on, let me, pull my, let me pull this back up. So, top five Keanu Reeves movies. Can you guess them? Matrix, Matrix, Matrix. Matrix. Which, okay, which one do you think is number one? I don't one think all three Matrix movies. I think, I think, I think Matrix 2 is his highest grossing okay the, his number one highest grossing i'm pretty sure is matrix 2 is matrix reloaded yeah, yeah. made 280 million then you are right that the other that two and three are also matrix films but which so one comes first one and then one, three and then three what is number four 
I'm going to be honest with Why you. Why do I know so much about Keanu Reeves? You just um, named three of his most popular I movies. I, I can't name any more outside slots. of that besides Bill and Ted. You guys will. Speed? You, you guys can uh, very easily speed. get number four. And I'll just be honest with you. It's very, very recent. Oh, John Wick 3? John Wick 3 is already his fourth highest grossing film. And we'll pass Matrix Revolutions this week, this next weekend. Good. Uh, but number five, I don't see you guys ever get. <laughs> speed 2. Cruise Control. No. Hardball. No. I don't need. I don't. I don't want to play this uh, game. <laughs> is it Bill? It's not Bill and Ted. Nope. That's a cult classic. What uh, What decade is it from? It is from 2000. It is from 2003. I'll just say it'd be the year. It's from 2003. Is it The Replacements? The Watcher. Nope. Oh. No. Oh, I cheated. <laughs> <laughs> no, just, you're going to have to stop. They'll never guess it. Yeah. So, this number, his fifth highest grossing film of all time is Something's Gotta Give, which made $124 million. Really? I didn't yeah. know that is. Yeah. It's a film like, I think. Like a rom-com. It is kind of a rom-com. I think. Um, uh, let me double check. Yeah, it stars. Uh, it also stars Jack Nicholson and mm-hmm. uh, Diane Keaton. Diane Keaton. But, that's yeah. it. Before Speed's we move number on six from box office, real quick. Can we just get a quick Avengers Endgame update? Oh yeah, you want an Avengers Endgame update? I think, I think that would be fun. Yeah, hang on one sec. Let a lot see. of money. <laughs> well, hang on. Let me finish John Wick off here real quick. Oh, I, you, so, you have more? Yeah, I got just a few more stats here. <laughs> How? I, I, I promise. It's only going to take me 10 seconds. So uh, so anyway, that was the Counter Reads Top 5. It's the third highest grossing movie for Adrian Pelicki. It is the 14th highest grossing film for William, Willem Dafoe. His number one, Spider-Man. Of course. Godspeed. Um, so this movie has no real distinct box office like unique stats it's not like the highest this or the highest that or uh, the most like the you know anyway however it is the fourth lowest grossing film reviewed by the so many sequels podcast <laughs> so, i don't even know how you figured that out i did way. i took the time but the, <laughs> the only the other only four films there are only four films that this podcast has reviewed that have made less money than john wick one Halloween 3, Kick-Ass 2, Sin City 2, and X-Files 2008. Okay. So, cool. uh, I honestly, this movie was not a high performer, but overperformed, I think, even their expectations. So it really is a credit to the fandom that managed to build up around this in the cult classic. It became. And that is it for box office stats for, key, for uh, Keanu Reeves. 60 for, seconds. For uh, this thing. Let that me move not over. not 10 seconds at all. Let me move over. 60. I'm, I don't like you guys that much. <laughs> Let me move over now. Don't throw out a time about how long it's going to take. I'm going to count. It's awake. All right. All right. Anyway, Avengers Endgame <laughs> currently, oh man, currently is uh, domestically at $815 million worldwide. This is uh, the week of June 1st. And uh, foreign money is at $100. Well, excuse me, one billion dollars, eight hundred and ninety-seven million dollars. So it's made a billion more dollars, a billion and eighty, eighty about billion and eighty million more dollars overseas than it has in in America. Um, this weekend, it had a bit of a lower uh, estimate right now than I uh, I had estimated. I estimated close Big to weekend, nine million. Big weekend, though. It is very. Reasons. There's a lot of good movies in theaters right now. Yep. But it made seven million dollars. That's just an estimate right now. It may go up to 8 million by the time they get the official Sunday numbers. Um, in terms of where does it stand on the all-time list, it is number it is number 2 domestically, only behind Star Wars The Force Awakens, which it will not catch. And it is at number 2 internationally behind Avatar, and there is a very very small possible chance that it could catch avatar for the worldwide gross i thought it already passed it no no no. it passed it domestically it passed avatar in the united states but internationally there's still a oh gosh i gotta do quick math here it's a pretty small gap but it's it's 788 minus 713 is 75 there's a 75 million dollar gap between avatar's final international run and avengers endgame the good news here is that avengers endgame has about 16 more weeks in theaters probably if they leave it in the same amount of time they left in infinity war um there's a good chance it'll get like a random boost in the middle of july when spider-man far from home comes out people want to go see avengers in game again and uh go and then go see spider-man again or go see spider-man and then they go back and see it in game or vice versa so it might get like a random three million dollar weekend well after it's gonna settle 20 bucks shy isn't it mm-hmm. it's gonna be something like that because based on what i've on the trajectory i've seen it's almost identical in terms of what Infinity War was making last year. 
and Infinity War made $35 million after weekend four, or weekend, excuse me, weekend six, that's what we're in. It made $34 million after weekend four, so if we add that, if we do the same thing, if it makes between $30 million and $35 million, that means that we're gonna be in the 40s, and so that means overseas just it's, needs to bring in $40 million between now and week 20. This movie's only been out for six weeks, Yep. and it's at $2.7 billion. Yep. Yep. It Honestly, like, record or not, like, Avatar didn't even come close to doing that. No, what Avatar did was... Avatar took forever. Avatar consistently put up, like, $15 million a week for, like, 14 weeks. That's what Avatar did. It didn't have any... Like, Avatar released in December, had no competition for three straight months. So, like, its opening weekend was, like, $35 million. Its second weekend was, like, $20 million. And then just every week of July, January and February, it just made like $13 million, $14 million, $14 million, $13 million. Like it just never dropped. Like it would drop like percent, like like one percentage point each week. And then finally at week 14, it dropped to number five in the, in the box office. So like it just had no competition and just kept going. And they left it in theaters for 40 weeks. And in game, they will probably leave in theaters for a lot less and it may end up making less, but that huge jump at the beginning, that $350 million opening weekend, really gave it a real shot to maybe get there. It's impressive that it's done that in May. I wonder if Marvel will, if Disney will eventually decide, let's put a Marvel movie in December. Because the other two major films on those lists both opened in December. It's they won't do it Force until Awakens. I mean, Not Star Wars and Avatar Star are going to be rotating back and forth. I know, forth, that's yeah. what I mean. So they got Star Wars and then Avatar both are, you know, those, those both started in the holiday month. Uh, but yeah, it's got a very slim chance. We need $45 million from the overseas markets between now and its 20th week. I I think it might have a probability of maybe passing it. It's got a chance. I think I think it does. And I hope it does. Avatar suck. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, somebody said it. So let's uh, let's go back to John Wick and play our Rotten Tomatoes game. Um, let's see what happens here. All right. Okay. Rotten Tomatoes. Who's oh yeah, I'm running it. Game? I won. won last week. Oh, I legitimately didn't remember. It was me. I won. I did it again. It was me. So, uh, what do you guys got? I'm going to go with 71. 71. Damn it! I want to do high 80s and say 89. That's exactly what I was going to say. 71. I will say 74 percent. 74 for David. 71 for Andrew, 89 for Josh. Critics consensus, stylish, thrilling, and giddy kinetic. John Wick serves as a satisfying return to action for Keanu Reeves and what looks like it could be the first of a franchise. Well, I'm definitely keeping my 89. 89 for Josh, sold. That's not that high. Maybe. I'm going to go... Go ahead. Uh, I was going to go... 81. 81. Okay, he jumped 10. I'd say 76. 76. David is the only one in the 70s. Okay. Um, If you're listening and you have a guess, shout it out. We can't hear you, but play along. Oh, somebody said it. It's more fun. Yeah, If you, I heard you. You got it right. I know that you did. So good job. Way to go. The overall... I you were talking to me for a second. Oh, no. I was, like, I was talking to our audience, selfish. Jeez. <laughs> you were looking at me, though. <laughs> I got it, yeah. You're in front of me. All right. So, the winner of this round with an 89% is Josh. Yay, what is it? The total for the critics is 86. Oh, dang. Andrew, you were close to the audience with an 80. Okay. I got to stop relying on IMDb scores. You got to just, you got to go with your instinct. You got to go with your gut. IMDb was 7.6, and I thought, well, I doubt the critics gave it quite a 7.6. Or 76, so I went 74. Well, I thought 86. Does that count? Nope. No, okay. you gotta say it. <laughs> um, cool. Where how are... many how many gunshot wounds to the head do we give this one? Four out of five. I give it a four out of five, yeah. I give it a three out of five. I'm gonna split and go three and a half. Somebody just got one ear blown off in my scenario. <laughs> Alright. You gave it what now? Three and a half. Oh, three and a half. I just said one and a half first. No, I was like thinking about that. I thought it was great. I get a three because because I think I think it does feel like uh, foundational, and I think it's good. 
and I think that everything I don't think you would waste your time if you watch this movie. No. But it's not for everybody. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, that wraps up our episode about John Wick chapter 1, uh, which is not called uh, was John is I have it here. Is it called chapter 2? Yeah. It is John Wick chapter 2. Interesting. Well, I'm glad they didn't get like cocky and call it chapter 1. Yeah. <laughs> I guess they're going into chapters now. So, we'll be back next week with John Wick chapter 2. Uh, you can find us online at facebook.com slash so many sequels pod on Twitter and Instagram as well. Uh, please listen to us on Sounds Tooth. Um, go download the app there. Like we said earlier, there's so many cool shows that you probably don't know about yet that you can discover through that app. Go in the community boards and, and leave comments and all that stuff. Tell your friends about it. Um, if you live in if you live in the Tulsa area, Oklahoma, you you you'll really appreciate it because it's it's people here. Dedicated to entertaining you, so we want you uh, to be entertained. So, Sounds Tooth, uh, search for it in your app. And then, you know, if you want to, we're also available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, all that other stuff too. But Sounds Tooth is pretty cool. Yes. So, until next time, don't piss off Keanu Reeves, or she'll get mayhem like John Wick. <laughs>